0: You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Amen. Well, I'm delighted to see everyone. My name is Pastor Rush. I'm one of the pastors of Paramount Church. To our guests who are with us this morning, I want to welcome you. Thank you for making the decision to join us for worship We care about you and we look forward to getting to know you, perhaps after the service or another time or even tonight. We would encourage and welcome you to come back for our deacon ordination service this evening at 7 o'clock. Well, let me invite everyone to turn with me to a new text of Scripture that you may not be expecting. It's Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, you can find that uh, toward the beginning of the New Testament on page 96. This is a little bit of a new uh, passage you may not be expecting because we have been working our way through the book of Amos verse by verse for a number of months now. We're actually uh, on the downhill slide almost to the end and then we are going to take on the challenge together as a church to better understand the book of Revelation. But this morning we have decided to take just a one-week break from our progress in the book of Amos so that we can be reminded of what the Bible says about the very important office... Of Deacon in the local church. We want our hearts and minds to be prepared as we ordain together this important opportunity and task of our church body to ordain uh, new deacons in our church to serve us for the next year and beyond. And so we have this wonderful opportunity to come to Acts chapter 6 and be reminded of the kind of servants that God has given to our church. We certainly this week are at no loss for reasons to pray, and to pray fervently. It seems that our reasons are mounting almost every day. Not only are we continuing to endure a global health crisis that is resulting in a disproportionate number of Christian and Jewish deaths, now also we are suffering with those who are suffering in Afghanistan and praying for them as serious conflicts continue and incredible suffering and injustice is being done while those who are heroic and brave are seeking to help. And so we pray for them. We, we pray for, in particular, those believers. We pray for their churches. Can you imagine? Can you imagine pastoring in a place like that can you imagine being a christian caring for one another in a place like that we know that god's grace is sufficient but they need our prayers on top of that even at this very moment we pray for those who are in new orleans and other places uh, directly in the path of what is essentially a category five hurricane heading over new orleans at this very moment can you imagine my heart goes out to pastors churches deacons christians in particular who are facing this and have to minister in the midst of it. But again, we know that God's grace is sufficient. All of these needs for fervent prayer, which, which even go way beyond that, these are only the things that we have room for on our, our news ticker tape. It is a reminder yet again of what I want you to see from this text as we consider the ordination of deacons in this important office in our church, and it's this. It's that life in this world is war. And war for Christians is ministry. Life in this world is war, but war for Christians is ministry. The Bible is clear, replete with revelation to us from God that life is war. We even read things like this in Ephesians chapter 6. You may recall this to mind easily because it's a pretty well-known popular passage of scripture. It says for our struggle, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. There's no doubt the Bible makes it plain to us that life is war. But what is interesting And so important is to understand how the Bible says Christians go about that war. Our war is not against flesh and blood. We don't go to war against other people. We indeed are at war with spiritual darkness and wickedness in heavenly places of principalities and powers. And yet what is so interesting and helpful to me. So clarifying is the way that we do war. We do war by ministry Uh, We do a kind of indirect war because the Bible does not instruct us, though we know that our war is against powers and principalities and spiritual darkness of wicked places, but we war against them indirectly. Not directly. Uh, We don't directly engage with the devil and his crowd. It is not our responsibility to rebuke or cast out or any of those things today. But rather, we are given the charge of ministry, to minister to the hearts of people. That's why Ephesians 6 goes on and says this, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints and pray in my behalf, Paul says, that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth To make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul tells us that while life is war, and it is in particular spiritual war, our approach to war is ministry. Our approach to war is gospel ministry into the hearts and lives of people around the world. That's the way. That we fight this war. That is one of, if not the most important reason, the deacon ministry is so important in our church. It is because life is war and war is ministry. So, this morning, as we look at this passage in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and we're also going to be looking in the midst of that as a secondary text in 1 Timothy 3 8 through 13, which you heard earlier in the public reading of Scripture. We want to see this morning what Luke has told us in three truths about deacon ministry. Luke tells us first this truth. It's important that we get these in our hearts and minds as as we want to be engaged as a church in this important office of deacon. And we want it to be an important part of our church as it is and will continue to be. And here's the first truth. Why do churches need Deacons. Why is this such an important office in the church? First, it's because deacons are trouble diffusers, or as another pastor put it, shock absorbers. Notice what happened among the early church, as though it would be some big surprise to us in verse 1. It says, now at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, the church is growing, a complaint developed. Well, that's no surprise. Imagine that, that in churches from the very beginning, even now, there are complaints that rise up and must be dealt with. Churches are imperfect places. We are in a church now that is an imperfect place. We very much still feel nine years in, a little little like a church plant. We have certain uh, limitations in our arsenal. We have weaknesses in our armor, and it is... A high premium, then, that we place on charity and patience and care in all of these matters. But this is what happened in the early church. As the church was growing more and more, a complaint had developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews. Those are Greek-speaking Jews. And the complaint was against the native Hebrews, the native Jews. Because their widows were being overlooked, as it says, in the daily serving of food. There are always administrative kind of problems as churches grow, and at this time, it was no different. Uh, at our present moment, it is no different. And so there was this complaint that some widows were being overlooked in something called the daily distribution of food. This was a, a ministry to those who were transients and non-residents at a time where, where people were scattered often to other places and needed to be cared for. And perhaps we can imagine what kind of challenges would come along with that because these are Hellenistic Jews. They are Jews that are struggling to speak the language. They're already at a disadvantage. And so there's an important ministry going on here, and the complaint arises that some of them, some of them for various reasons, are being overlooked. Deacon ministry, as we'll see in a moment as we continue in the text, because Ordaining deacons is the biblical answer to this complaint and other troubles in the church as it grows. The deacon ministry was spiritual warfare in the church. Just as I described our our warfare as not directly against the powers and principalities, but indirectly against them by ministering to people, this is what deacons were made to do. They were made to help the church minister. If we want to relate it again to war, it might be a little bit like Uh, perhaps an airstrike upon certain assets on the ground to cripple the enemy. And by ministering to the hearts and lives of people, it takes away those occasions and opportunities for our ultimate enemies to take root and cause trouble in the church because these needs and these opportunities are being met. Deacons are trouble diffusers. Deacons are Diffusing bombs regularly. They are like the bomb squad of the church. They are looking for opportunities to serve so that the church can continue to flourish. Now, while deacons, as we know, do not have authority to teach, two offices in the church, pastors or elders and deacons... The main difference between the two, though they both have character qualifications, is that pastors are able and authorized to teach in the church. They have authority from the body to uh, unpack the word of God, to minister the word of God in some key ways. Deacons are not, do not have that requirement, but rather they still do have a very high bar set for them. That's why every healthy church ought to take deacon ministry seriously. They ought to take the qualifications for deacons seriously. They ought to take the process of, of appointing deacons seriously and biblically. Let's notice some of these qualifications. Deacons, likewise, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, must be men of dignity. They must be, in other words, worthy of respect. That's why in the Bible and in healthy churches today who follow the Bible, there's a process of careful observation, careful testing, conversation, interaction with others, in making decisions of those who who are rising up to serve in the church. In fact, in many cases, that's how ministry opportunities in our church are, are appointed. It's because we are observing, we are watching as pastors, and we are seeing those who are already doing the work of ministry such as a deacon. But they must be men of dignity. They must be dignified, not double-tongued. Deacons serve people and by serving people, sometimes they know their secrets. They know what's going on uh, in the darkness of their lives or perhaps behind closed doors, whether it is suffering or whether it's sin and therefore they must be not double-tongued. There's no room for gossip among deacons. You're hearing such a strong character set that is required for those who would fill this important office in the church. Not addicted to much wine. This is the language of being captivated or calling a ship to port. Someone who is captivated by by lusts or addictions that would continue to call out to them and distract them from their ministry. They must be self-controlled, also not fond of sordid gain. This also is true of elders, just as the Bible is very clear that pastors and elders in churches must not be fond of sordid gain. They're not serving so that they they can enrich themselves materially. They are, in fact, giving away their lives In ministry, the same is true of deacons. And then it says, Let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach after they have been tested. This right here is reminding us again of what I think may be lost in in some churches or at some times among Christians is sometimes because deacons are doing a lot of hands on ministry and caring, they are diffusing or Uh, trouble and and bombs in the church that maybe they're just hands-on type people. They're just uh, the worker bees and they go around working with their hands. That's clearly not all that they do or else they would not need to have such high character qualities in their lives. They're not simply problem managers, but they are ministers. They are those who are serving in uniquely important ways. The text in 1 Timothy chapter 3 goes on, and in verse 11, suddenly the text shifts to something that's been quite confusing over time as to what it means, because here Paul is telling Timothy now about women. And so there's been some debate over time of whether these women are the wives of deacons or whether perhaps they are female deacons. And as we look at this text, we come to the conclusion, we believe it makes most sense by the context that these are female servants in the church, also known as deacons. It doesn't make a lot of sense that it suddenly would just shift to wives. And if Paul wanted to talk about the deacons' wives and what they needed to be like, he very easily could have made that clear by using that language of wives, but rather, these are women. And you notice what kind of character qualities they have to have, and they are the same As those men of dignity, they must also be dignified. Same word. Number two, they must not be malicious gossips. Same character issue that was raised among the men. Must be temperate, faithful in all things. Same kind of self-controlled nature among them. And so we have here the picture of, of both deacons and maybe what we might call a deaconess men and women who fit the qualifications of scripture and are then serving in this office of the church. These women, as we've just read about, may even be uh, like Phoebe, who we read about in Romans 16, where Paul says, I recommend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a diakonos, servant of the church, which is at Sincreia. That you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. When we think about deacons in our church, that's a fantastic word for us to think helper. These are those that God has called to come alongside pastors and church members to be helpers in the church, to be trouble diffusers, to be, be helpful problem solvers. Uh, need meters, even as they did in Acts chapter 6 with the overlooking of the daily distribution of food, being able to help the church gain, gain this focus by diffusing trouble. So as we ordain new deacons this evening, this is one of the roles that they will play. They will play the role of helper, minister, servant, need meter, And they will do it in wise and dignified ways. And yet, this text also is a calling for all of us because these are qualifications that that all of us could aspire to be. We want to be like them as well. And so I take from this for myself, and I hope that you do also, that you and I can be the same kind of thing, trouble diffusers with our deacons, with our pastors, for the good of our church. It's an opportunity for all of us to to care for one another in these important ways which we see described in the office of deacon. Luke goes on, though, to describe the way deacons act as servants. And they act in particular as, number two, deacons are wise servants. Notice what it says in verse 2. It says that the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. There's a central problem that's very clear in just these few verses. It's a problem that arises in the church at this time. It's a problem that arises in every church, even healthy churches in our current moment. And that central problem is the problem of focus. What was that complaint about the overlooking of the daily distribution of food among certain widows? What was that really all about for the church? What was the real problem there? The real problem was focus. The Lord had called the disciples, the elders, and believers to a particular mission together just as he has for us in our church, Paramount Church, here in Bexley, Ohio, focus was of utmost importance. And even now, we feel this, I feel this, as I read these words, even this morning, the churches like ours in all times face many distractions. In every age, we know this very well right now. In fact, as I look out across the The Christian church landscape, it seems quite clear to me that, sadly, we are living the screw tape letters, and Wormwood is on pace to receive an enormous bonus and the corner office at the end of this year because of his productivity, because of his performance. We have become so distracted from what is ultimate and most important by many other good things that must require our concern and our attention. But as it is here, there is a loss of focus. It reminds me of the early days when I used Twitter a little different than I do today. When I used to use Twitter uh, initially, when I had my first uh, cell phone, I, I thought that it would be a great idea for me to keep up on the news if I would set the notifications to come on and always push to the screen of my phone. And of course, because of the branding of Twitter, every time it happened, my phone would, would whistle at me. And then I had, because I kept adding all of the accounts I wanted to follow, all day long, my phone was constantly tweeting at me, tweeting at me, tweeting at me, tweeting at me. Can you imagine that? You can imagine that. You may have the same kind of thing going on in your phone today. Can you imagine if you went around uh, all day long and people were constantly running up behind you and tapping you on the shoulder? Tapping you on the shoulder to tell you what they were going to eat for lunch. Or They, they come up and run up and they, they shout at you something they don't like about what you posted and then they run off into the woods. Can you imagine if that happened every day all the time you're at work and somebody runs into your office and says something about the way that you just filed that spreadsheet and then they run off? You can imagine there are mothers here who are saying, I don't have to imagine that. That's what my life is all day long. Well, that's what's happening in the church. Constantly, constantly tweeting, constantly losing focus. We're in desperate need of focus. And the beauty of deacon ministry is that this is what wise servants are able to provide for the church. Not only for the pastors, but also for the congregation. Focus. Focus on what is most important. In fact, Paul writing to Timothy also, remember, he was writing about the qualifications of deacons in this important office of the church. He also writes to him these words in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to listen to this as he's passing the spiritual baton to his spiritual son in the faith and preparing him for the, the next leg of the race, the kind of focus that he is appealing to Timothy to maintain in his life and in the church and see for yourself how important focus is. This is what he says. Suffer. Life is war. Suffer hardship with me. And he uses this analogy. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, he says, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of civilian life or everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. He uses a couple other analogies. He goes on in verse 5. And if someone likewise competes as an athlete, he's not crowned as victor unless he competes according to the rules. Focus. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And then in verse 8. He gives him the key of focus. He gives him the ultimate object of focus. He continues, as he does for us, to call Timothy's mind back to what is most important, where his his bread and butter is to be. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. It presupposes a, a forgetfulness. It presupposes a lack of focus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason, because the word of God is not imprisoned, because I, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ, I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. This is spiritual focus. This is an opportunity for every one of us, myself included, to pause and to consider the level of focus that you and I have in our lives at this very moment. When everything around us is tweeting, when we are tweeting, where does our focus need to be? How can we pull it back yet again? This is why we need deacons who are Wise servants. Notice the reason, the reason that they wanted these men and later women to be in this role, this office of deacon, was for focus. They said in in verse 2, it is not desirable. In other words, it's not pleasing. And we know from the context of these people, who are they trying to please? They're trying to please just like Paul God. They want to please God. It's not pleasing to God for us to neglect the word of God. We're really feeling here our creatureliness. We're feeling our finitude. We're feeling that we just are struggling to keep it all together because of the the tweeting, because of the trouble, because of the pressure, because of the rising needs. It's not pleasing to God that we neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now that's by no means uh, to minimize the serving of tables. In fact, we've already seen how important that was. It was so important that complaints were arising and there was an immediate interest in solving that problem because it was serious. But it is focus. And deacons are giving them focus. This kind of focus, this kind of ministry in a healthy local church, again, does not simply call for worker bees but rather continues to call for those who are wise, those who are faithful, those who are going to be able to handle the tasks at hand. This is why continuing on in the passage of qualifications, in verse 12, deacons must be husbands of one wife, faithful, and good managers of their children and their own households. The language the Bible sometimes uses is oikonomos. It sounds a little bit like the word that we use for economics. That's a couple Greek words put together that mean house and law or house management. This is in essence what deacons are helping the church to do, manage and care in wise ways for the house. Verse 13, for those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. For the purpose of focus and for the purpose of ministry, deacons must be, they must be wise. They must be managers. They must be focused. And they gain for themselves a high standing. Again, though, there's application for all of us And it's the application again of focus to ask ourselves that question How focused am I in my Christian life in this moment? What are the the tweeters that are getting my attention off the truth? How can I focus in on what is most important? And in particular, how can I bring focus to the ministry of my church? How can I help my church gain strength and rally together in difficult times with focus upon what is most important? How can I be someone who makes focus and not distraction? And by that, you absolutely should understand that by raising your own needs, by by raising other issues in the church that need to be dealt with, that is not the kind of distraction that we're talking about because those are the kind of things that the deacons and even elders are built for to solve those issues. But it is a question of focus. And then finally, I want you to see how they obtain their office, because Luke tells us next this third truth about deacons, and it is that the church feels her need of deacons. The entire congregation as we continue in this text in Acts chapter 6 looking at verse 5 is that the announcement of these deacons in the church found approval with the whole congregation. They recognized and they felt their need of this office in the church. You can see how they have a measure of focus because they see these problems. They see the need for help. They see the need for for this office, and they feel it. They want it. They, They want the benefits that come with it so that the church will remain strong and flourishing. And it's the whole congregation that is interested in this. The whole congregation finds approval. This means that deacon ministry is important and it is known to all serious church members. It is something that every serious church member is aware of and desiring and approving and also continually encouraging to those who are members of our church do you know who the deacons of our church are? You should know who they are. You should have their names in your journal or your Bible or on your refrigerator so that you can pray for them, so that you could contact them, so that you would greet them, so that you would honor them, and you would help them. Currently, there are three. Court Bowman, Jack Tapey, James Whitehead, And it is our great desire, our enormous honor to our great need that we will, Lord willing, tonight ordain six more. And they are, write these down, Sam Wagers, Rob Trenopole, Dave King, Sherry Bowman, Dave Hall, John Vickery. Notice that the church was actively involved in this process. That's why we are encouraging and asking all of our church members and even those who are guests with us this morning to come back tonight to be a part of this important opportunity for our church. We want to be a church that feels our need and together brings these before the Lord and one another because we know how important this is. I also want to be encouraging you to pray for these servants of our church both pastors and deacons, and everyone else, but in particular, according to this text, that you would be praying for your deacons, that you would be making use of them, taking advantage of them, and serving alongside them. Why would we do this? Well, we would do this because we want the benefit of this healthy church life. And we have one of the most beautiful Short, sweet, empowering verses in the entire Bible to bookend what we've just considered about the important office of deacon. What do we want? We want this, verse seven. As a result of their ministry together, as a result of this decision and the seriousness of their church, the word of God kept spreading. Why is that so important? Because that's what was at stake. They felt it, they knew it. That's why they said it's not pleasing to God for us to neglect the ministry of the word, feeding the flock, taking the word of God out into the the countryside so that we can proclaim good news and, and see the voices of our church grow in number, grow in strength, hearts to be changed. And because of the faithful service of these deacons, the word of God kept spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. And you know what that means. As the church continued to grow, the need for ministry continued to grow because the war grew. And so this morning we want to carry with us that important truth that life is war. Don't underestimate that. But that war for us is ministry. And our ministry ultimately is grounded in the work of Jesus Christ. That's why it is our delight that this morning, in just a few moments, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. Anyone here who, who claims Christ is king and follows him, you've repented of your sin and placed your trust in him. And you belong among his covenant people. Whether you're members of our church or not, we welcome you to join us in taking the Lord's Supper. We want to do this wisely. We want to do this intentionally. We want to do this with with self-examination while all along the way crying out to God to use it as a means of grace in our lives, that he would minister to us as we feel the, the challenges of this life, which is war. And we want to be ministers of the gospel together as a church. So Pastor Kevin is going to come forward I'm going to pray for us, and then he'll give us some instructions for coming forward to to take uh, of the Lord's Supper together, and then we'll continue with full hearts, I hope, singing to our God, who's done such great things and cared for us in such important ways, in particular this morning, giving us servants in our church who will keep the word of God spreading. Our Father in heaven, we, we give you thanks this morning because you are the ultimate servant, In the work of your son, you have put on display for us the ministry of the gospel. You have put on display your incredible grace and mercy showering us. And you have given us a king who fights for us, a king who has ensured victory in this war, and yet we continue to battle with him. And so it is our sincere prayer that we would keep in our hearts this truth, that this life in this world under the fall is war. But we know the outcome and we are outfitted for it. And so we pray this morning that as we take of the Lord's Supper together, that our hearts would rejoice, that we would be made comforted by the good news of Christ. And if there is anyone here who does not know Christ, we pray that these words and these times, even these songs would work to their discomfort so that they would flee to Christ who gives us the soft pillow of the gospel on which to lay our heads. And so we pray this morning that that gospel, by our our taking together as believers of the Lord's Supper, would be a ministry of grace to us. And then, God, help us to sing to you. We want to please you. We want to glorify you, because you have enlisted us in your covenant family and as those who will fight alongside our King in this life every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.